Today on Ag News Daily. We have the ears, we measure the length of grain, uh, we measure the number around, and then you take that by the average. Uh, you take the average of those two things times the average number of ears in a row. Good afternoon and happy Market Monday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, I feel like it's been a while since I've really talked to you, even though it's really only been three days or so. That's true. You've had a good long weekend, hopefully, with your family. I did. My oldest cousin turned 30, and so we had a party for him on Friday night and got to see some family that I haven't seen in quite some time. So it was really nice. Well, that's awesome. It's always good to get back home and see family and all those folks. So certainly excited for you there, Ashton. I think I, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast, but my folks have been working at a dude ranch in Western Colorado this summer and they are coming home early, it sounds like, or maybe a little bit earlier than what they are expecting. So they're going to be back home kind of living with us off and on for the next, not not yet, but in a, when they get home, they'll be living with us off and on for about two months. So that'll be an interesting shift in dynamic to see how that goes. Yeah, my grandma, I think I've also mentioned this, has been living with my parents for the past couple of months, and she's getting a house built, so it's going to be some time before she moves out, but even for me, and I just go to visit my parents about once a month, it's it's been a challenge of sorts when it comes to the family dynamic, the new family dynamic, having an extra person in the house, so... Um, I am going to be having you in my thoughts, Delaney. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I don't mind it. I hope it's fine. My dad's going to help Blaine with harvest this year. So I think he's pretty excited about that. But uh, it'll just be an interesting dynamic to see how that goes. So I don't know. I'm sure I'll have some interesting stories uh, when that does happen. But in the meantime, I think we should talk about some ag related stories here, Ashton. We're going to be chatting with Ted Seifert here coming up in just a moment to talk about, of course, the markets, but also he is on this year's Pro Farmer Crop Tour, which kicked off today. Both the Eastern and Western leg kicked off today. We already got some preliminary numbers coming from that report or coming from that uh, tour, I should say. So as of, you know, last week's WASDE report, we saw the average corn yield come down to a 176.5 soybean yield at a 51 and a half. But those numbers would still be pretty high, you know, compared to what we have seen in years past. DTN actually does kind of their own little type of quote unquote crop tour here. And those are the numbers that I'm actually looking at here specifically, not necessarily pro farmers as of yet, but they are doing a digital yield tour this year using grows drought index and grows some of their imagery data and so far for their august estimates they are looking like the usda actually might be a little undershooting things i mean overall as a whole they are suggesting that corn yields come in at about 203 and a half bushels per acre for illinois 190 for indiana 199 for iowa and um Really across the board, the grow intel estimates are 
mm, significantly higher in most states compared to what USDA is projecting as of last week's WASI report. So it's going to be important we get Ted's thoughts here. He's really only gotten to see one day so far, but I'm sure he'll have a pretty good indication, at least from that one state, what we are seeing yield-wise. And I actually read an article earlier today, Delaney, talking about the crop tour. And ProFarmer says that despite USDA's latest reports, this is going to be the first widespread in-field look at 2021 corn and soybean crops. And so they suggested that markets are really going to be paying attention to those numbers. So I'm certainly excited to talk to Ted to see what he's been seeing in the fields and you know what's going to be happening in the markets as we continue to look at the tour. But Delaney, I wanted to kick things off from my standpoint, talking about the Field of Dreams baseball games. Did you watch that this past weekend, Delaney? Uh, We kind of had it on in the background. And I know that the big debacle has been that some of the players ate, tried to eat the field corn, if that's what you're referring to, Ashton. It is what I was referring to. I just can't get over it. I think it's absolutely hilarious, but it kind of, you know, adds to the point that agriculture education is, you know, something that's really important and might need to be a little bit more incorporated into schools. But I thought it was really funny. And then I also, of course, saw some producers talking about the corn and, you know, how much this farmer got paid to produce this corn, you know, what they did to it. And they noticed, I thought it was funny, they weren't really paying attention to the game, but were paying attention to some things that they saw in the field. So I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was a little, you know, funny bit of conversation to have this Monday. Yeah, it certainly is. And it's uh, just interesting to know, a lot of people don't know the difference between field corn, seed corn, and sweet corn. And there is definitely a very drastic difference in all of those. There certainly is Delaney. But other than that, you know, what are you watching today? Well, I've got a piece of news here coming out of the Dominican Republic, and that is in reference to swine flu. You know, we reported a couple of weeks ago now that the Dominican had reported their first case of African swine fever, but it certainly appears that that may not have been their first case. And that actually, according to some new data put out by the World Organization for Animal Health, they are indicating that they've seen positive samples for African swine fever collected as early as April. And, you know, we just saw this data come out in July. So it's very interesting to see there that They did, in fact, collect samples as early as April 10th, but they didn't put that information out until July. And so far, we've seen about 35 outbreaks, outbreak locations that have been specified. Um, But we're seeing a little bit of conflicting data here because the OIE is reporting that I have not seen really any other news organizations besides Bloomberg reporting this piece of news. So seems a little bit conflicting on whether or not we did see that data, that information come out as early as April. And if so, we don't really have any answers as to why it was held back for so long. That certainly is interesting. Delaney, I'm glad that you brought that to our attention. 
I just have one other news story for today. I wasn't finding much this Monday morning, but I wanted to, of course, bring up African swine fever because we've been talking about how it was reported in the Dominican Republic. And there are some producers that are concerned that our foreign customers like China might stop importing pork from the U.S. if ASF is found in Puerto Rico because it's a U.S. commonwealth. Of course, Puerto Rico is really close to the Dominican Republic. They're just neighbors across the sea. So I'm interested to see, you know, what China will say about this. I, of course, I mean, it's not reported in Puerto Rico yet, but I think that there, of course, is some concern there. But this producer that I was reading about in this article says that Germany, of course, has done a, a good job limiting the spread of African swine fever to a small region. But China is still refusing to import German pork. So I think that that kind of relates a little bit to maybe our relationship with China moving forward if it if African swine fever were to be found in Puerto Rico. Yeah, it certainly would. It would impact continue to impact supply and demand. I mean, Puerto Rico is not probably a huge country that exports a lot of pork, but definitely one that's, again, just coming a little bit closer to touching U.S. shores, Ashton. Absolutely, Delaney. And I didn't even think about, you know, our smaller countries or, you know, Commonwealth like Puerto Rico. So I think he makes a good point. And I'm going to continue, of course, to watch and see if China does come out and say anything. I'm very intrigued. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree, Ashton. I agree. Well, switching tracks here just a little bit, I want to talk about another export sale that was reported heading to an unknown destination. As of this morning, USDA reported a 132,000 metric ton delivery of soybeans headed to an unknown destination for the 2021-2022 marketing year. And that is, again, one of many purchases that we've seen here as of late and something we're definitely going to hopefully have time to touch on here with Ted coming up in just a moment, Ashton. Well, I am very excited to talk to Ted. And that being said, Delaney, before we get into that conversation, how about we go ahead and just hop into the markets if you're ready? I think I am. Other than I just wanted to mention this quick piece of news here, Ashton, and that is uh, looking over into our agronomic industry. Bayer has petitioned the Supreme Court to review their exposure to Roundup case. They've filed a, a petition with the Supreme Court officially requesting the review of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals decision that was upheld that was that excuse me that upheld a 25 million dollar award to a plaintiff who alleged that Roundup Ready caused his non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And in this petition, which I think comes as no surprise, Bayer said that the federal pesticide law preempts state law claims such as those brought by Edwin Hardman, who alleged that Monsanto failed to warn him and other consumers of the risk of contracting cancer from exposure to Roundup. And so we saw the Ninth Circuit Court rule in Hardman's favor back in May. And now bears this is, I think, really the kind of final step they can take here in getting this thing fought off. So with that, Ashton, that was really all the news that I had for today. Let's go ahead and hop into the markets. Let's do it. All right. Well, and for today's markets, we had quite a bit of mixed trade on the day. We saw corn finished lower. Soybeans, however, finished higher. 
September corn contract down three and three quarters cents today to close at 564 and a half. The Dece down four and a quarter to close at 568 and three quarters. In the soybean pits today, the September contract up two and three quarters cents to close at 1375 and three quarters. The November up three cents to close at 1368. Chicago wheat mixed today as the September contract closed down a penny and three quarter, excuse me, a penny and a quarter to close at 761. The Dece up a penny and a quarter to close at 775 and half. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets today, we had mixed trade in the protein markets as the October live cattle contract added a dollar to close at 129.12 and a half. The Dece up 65 cents to close at 134.47 and a half. Feeder cattle today were showed some signs of weakness as the September contract shed a dollar oh seven and a half to close at one sixty two the October down eighty two and a half cents to close at one sixty four ninety five and in lean hogs today the October contract adding two dollars forty seven and a half cents to close at eighty nine dollars on the nose the dece up a dollar sixty seven and a half to close at eighty one eighty five and over in the Class 3 Dairy Parlor, September futures today down two pennies to close at 17.60. The October down 11 cents to close at 17.63. Ashton, without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation with Ted Seifred. Well, folks, we are joined today literally from the road by Ted Seifert of the Zayner Group. Ted, you are kicking off today's Pro Farmer Crop Tour. Tell us where you're at today. Yeah, uh, so doing a uh, Pro Farmer Crop Tour started this morning uh, in Sioux. Just spent uh, the morning going through um, southern South Dakota. And just in the last 45 minutes or so, we crossed over through Yankton, South Dakota, and now into Knox County. So, uh, spend the morning looking at South Dakota. We'll spend the afternoon looking at Nebraska. Then tomorrow, uh, we will travel from Nebraska City. Uh, I'm sorry, from Grand Island, Nebraska, to Nebraska City, Nebraska. Uh, then the following day, we'll be from Nebraska City, Nebraska, to Spencer, Iowa. And then the fourth and final day is Spencer, Iowa to Rochester, Minnesota, which is where we will meet up with our uh, Eastern leg friends and fellows. <laughs> well, fantastic. Uh, yeah. And Ted, these yeah. are not uh, these are not easy days that you're going on. Before we chat a little bit more about the markets, tell us a little bit more about the process of you guys actually going into the field and collecting these samples and data. And what have you seen so far? They're not easy days. It's actually a really warm day uh, today. Uh, you know, so, but uh, we make, uh, uh, we shoot for 20 to 25 stops a day in corn and soybean fields. And we go out uh, in a soybean field, uh, you get past the end rows and then you uh, walk 35 paces. Then we, uh, uh, we take a, a yield sample. Uh, so basically we pull three, three, row uh we count the gears in that row and on the row next to next to it uh so then when we have uh when we have the ears we measure the length of grain uh we measure the number around and then you take that by the average uh you take the average of those two things times the average number of ears in a row divided by the row spacing which in most cases is 30 and that gives you your yield estimate and then for soybeans we're not doing the yield estimate we're doing a pod count. We're counting the amount of the number of pods that are in it, that's in a three by three foot section. Uh, and by that pod count, we're figuring out what sort of potential that that yield could be 
but again, you know, where soybeans are at this point, you can't really come up with a yield. You have to come up with, with what that potential is. Uh, so, so it's a lot of math, a lot of moving around, a lot of jumping in and out of cornfields. Uh, they're really being long days. We cover a lot of ground and, you know, we usually leave around 6.15, 6.30 in the morning and we a lot of times don't get in until 5 or 6 at night. Yeah, they're long days. I'm not sure if I'm envious of you doing those today, but uh, <laughs> Ted, what are you seeing come out of the field today? Yeah, so, you know, again, we did it in, in, into Nebraska, but the first stop that we had in, in Knox County, Nebraska, was really, really good. Uh, we came up with a 200 uh, on the corn yield. Uh, I guess I didn't see our bean, bean pine cow was a, li- a little light, but came in uh, just under 1,000. Uh, but that is... Uh, the second best cornfield that we saw today in in South Dakota, we had one field that was outside of the ball that had just uh, been fairly lucky to get. Uh, that was also a 206, but everything else really uh, not not really in in South Dakota as expected, right? But we knew it wasn't. Yeah, it was ranging anywhere from 90 uh, or lowest. Uh, and then aside from the two fields that, you know, we saw right away, uh, we didn't really proceed. I'm, I'm a little surprised it's gotten a little bit better than this. I was kind of thinking that South Dakota would be a little bit better uh, because of some rains that they had got since the USDA took that survey. Uh, but really, with the yield checks that we're doing for most of the fields that we're in, uh, it, it's pretty interesting what you said last week. So, you know, so far, our South Dakota numbers are, at least on my route, uh, are checking out with 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 both the estate report on their yield estimates last week. Well, then let's talk a little bit more about last week's WASDE report because that was a pretty significant drop in yield that we saw. Almost five bushels per acre cut. Uh, has a yield drop that big ever happened on a WASDE report? First of all, well, no, not in an August one. I mean, it was uh, that was much bigger than what we were expecting. Uh, I think by and large, the trade was looking for lower yield, but that even came in below the low end of the trade guesses. So that, that was, um, that was, it was a pretty bullish report. Uh, I think the market is a little bit disconcerted by the fact that the USDA cut demand by as much as they did, but that is a very typical USDA thing to do. If they are cutting supply, they're almost always cutting some demand. Um, by the way, you know, you're looking at a 1.25 billion, which very over for next year. Uh, that is a rather friendly number. Uh, it's been a little disappointing. The market hasn't really embraced that. But part of it is, you know, look at the calendar. Look at the time of year. I mean, we're getting closer to harvest. Seasonality would be, you know, we should normally push down in this time of year until we get to our lows, and then we have what you know, we look for a post-harvest strike. Uh, and that happens, you know, most years. In 2000, probably, but our August, we have shot at it in September, but we still came down and made those harvest lows. So, yeah, you know, I think ultimately we have a very friendly story uh, for soybeans in the long run. Uh, you know, we haven't even started this marketing year yet. We have to see a lot of this demand sort of prove itself, um, you know, before we can really get excited about what, or how tight balance sheets might be, uh, you know, when we get into uh, you know, the early part of, of next growing season, you know, into the, the spring and summer months for next year. Yeah, Ted, we've seen quite a few 
reports from the USDA over the past couple of weeks about some pretty large export sales, but those are just sales. They're not necessarily things we've actually shipped yet. Is that kind of what you're indicating here is we got to wait and see if those actually leave our shores? Well, yeah, I mean, so it's been nice to see a string of now eight days of reported export sales of soybeans to China and unknown destinations. And when you add that all together, it's about 1.7 million metric tons, which is a good number. However, it's still not the numbers that we were seeing this time last year. I mean, we were seeing days where we get a 1.2 or 1.4 million metric ton sale explicitly to China, right? So it's good to see that that export demand coming along. Uh, I think the market needs to see a lot more of that before we really get too excited about it. And we were getting really anxious about it, so it is sort of placating us for the moment. Uh, but again, it's not these bigger not these bigger numbers that we're going to need to see in order to hit the USDA's export estimates. And Ted, I wanted to ask, you know, with this week's Pro Farmer Crop Tour, you guys are going to be putting out your own estimates. How much do you think the market's going to react to what you guys are putting out as far as yield estimates and pod counts go? Yeah, you know, it, it seems like uh, the market really kind of, you know, pays attention to Crop Tour. Um, and, and this year might be a bigger one than most because, uh, or, or more important, or, or at least uh, anticipated, uh, because of that big drop that you saw uh, on the yield from the USDA in corn last week. So, you know, we just saw that. Now we've got this, you know, massive, large tour going on. Uh, so we really want to see, you know, okay, is, was the USDA justified to make that big of a drop? Was it a big enough of a drop? What about soybeans? You know, soybeans didn't come down uh, quite as much, but it was an August report. The big mover, uh, the big changes for soybean yield a lot of times come in September. Uh, so yeah, no, we are very curious to see what uh, what's out there. There's a lot of people following along. Certainly, there's a, a, a large Twitter following of uh, Pro Farmer Tour happening now. It's uh, kind of fun to watch. Yeah, it's certainly fun to see what you guys are tweeting out, uh, pictures and numbers and all that stuff from the field. But Ted, uh, I know you're on the road, so I want to keep this a little bit shorter today. New crop corn and soybeans. Let's say we do get favorable demand. We see numbers come out of the field this harvest. What are you anticipating we see here for some sort of post-harvest rally, assuming all the fundamentals and technicals line up for us? Yeah, you know, Delaney, I kind of think it'd be healthy for the markets to have a bit of a break and to go down and make those harvest loans. I'd love to see corn come down 40 to 50 cents to give that demand an opportunity to show itself, give your domestic end user a chance to come in and buy cheaper. Same thing for soybeans. Uh, you know, I, I think it'd be very healthy for a dollar and twenty cent break in the market. Now, if China keeps buying or buying more aggressively, things can go in the near term. You know, so over the next month and a half, let's say, the higher that I think we'll have to go later on. Uh, and if we were to break down to twelve twenty or eleven eighty in soybeans, I think eventually that means that we'd probably see sixteen dollars because I think that would bring the demand out. Now, if for some reason that demand isn't there, let's say China just uh, you know, our, our relationship with China sours even worse than it is now, or, you know, there really is big problems with ASF and they, their crush margins continue to be under pressure. And they just don't need the soybeans. Well, that could be a different story. But I think that demand will be there. Certainly with all the sales that we've seen recently, you're, you're more optimistic about that. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think we're going to have another year of uh, some very interesting markets. I think there's you know, quite a bit of upside potential in the long run. I just think that in the short run, It'd be healthy for the market, and just from a seasonal standpoint, it would make a lot of sense if we were to come down and make those quote-unquote harvest lows before we get into that post-harvest rally, which takes us higher into the end of the calendar year and probably into uh, 
um, January, February timeframe until we start getting into planting. And then we'll, we'll see how that all goes with planting and, and, uh, you know, our, our growing season weather and all the fun stuff that we love to watch every year. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is this Pro Farmer Crop Tour, just one of those fun things. But Ted, before I let you go, you're a big Twitter guy. You're probably going to be tweeting out quite a bit of stuff this week while you're on Pro Farmer Crop Tour. Give our folks uh, your Twitter handle before I let you go. Yeah, absolutely. I'm at the Ted spread. And uh, yes, I am. Uh, I am a tweeting tool right now. <laughs> this is the, my most active week of the year on Twitter. And I like sending pictures out of, uh, you know, the stops that we're doing and you know some of the fun stuff along the way. But most importantly, what we're seeing, you know, you're, you're getting actual physical pictures of all the ears and and the explanation of, of how we're coming up with the numbers. And, you know, you're basically just kind of seeing it all unfold as it's going on. And there's a whole bunch of us doing it. So if you look for the hashtag PF tour, 2021 or PF tour 21, uh, you're going to find a lot of content there of, you know, what, what we're all seeing in the field. Fantastic, Ted. I look forward to watching that this year. Hashtag PF tour 21 folks in case you didn't catch that there, but Ted, thank you so much. Good luck on this rest of this week's crop tour. I hope uh, temperatures cool off for you. No, oh, yes. Thanks. Me too. Doing Thanks for having me on. Thanks again there to Ted for joining us to talk about the tour. I'm excited to see, you know, what else comes in the next few days or so, but definitely wish him and all of the other guests well wishes and safe travels. Yeah, and I really do hope it's not a super hot one because uh, definitely could be. I don't know if you caught it, Ashton, there at the end, but <laughs> Ted has really been trying to put the pressure on me to do this tour next year. So, I don't know. It sounds like a long, hot week. I'm willing to learn. I kind of know how to do yield calculations. Ted's tried to show me before, but I think it would be cool to get out there and actually be part of the tour. So I'm open to going next year. We'll see what happens. Well, Delaney, we will keep our eyes out for you next year. But folks, in the meantime, you can always catch Delaney on the Ag News Daily podcast at agnewsdaily.com. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.